us know you can hear us and we're gonna get it we're gonna get started here but uh i'm hoping that there you are yeah i can hear you okay great <laughs> gee ah oh, these technicians that would be me um listen this week we're focusing again on the important work of embracing christ i've said that three times now i think this time we're actually finally out there uh, and not only on about embracing Christ, but about really loving one another. Um, without a demonstrated and genuine love for one another, our faith, uh, we've said, has like real no credible witness to the world. The world's looking for God's love and, and you know, they're looking for God's family to, to really be the representatives of that, right? Yeah, not perfection. I don't, you know, I don't think that the world is looking for perfection. We've had enough of that. Uh, yeah. yeah, but they are looking for people who are generally in, in love with God and in love with one another. Today we continue with this fifth uh, session of our discipleship series. That is, it's based uh, on, a, on one verse out of Paul's letter to the Galatians. He says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself. Through love. Through love. Through right? love. Yeah, Through yeah, love. yeah, yeah, yeah. People got to hear you, babes. <laughs> I heard me. You heard me. Yeah, she says. So in the ninth, this is like that. Paul's letter is the ninth book in the New Testament. Uh, it's his letter really to the early churches in Galatia. And he's pointing to the Jewish Christians who are wrestling with the influx of Gentile Christians who are joining the faith and entering into their communities. And their arrival presented a challenge to, like, to long-held cultural and religious practices in, in the ways that they saw God and that they worship God. Like Jesus had a lot of influence on how they saw God and they related to God. The Holy Spirit in his work in their midst had a lot of influence in their lives. You know, Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples to teach the church, to lead the way, right? To bring discernment and, and, to, and to lead the church into truth. But here they are now years, you know, years into the establishment of the church and, and the influence of the church is beginning to touch the Gentile population. And so they have all that they, they have this, this new, they, they're finding their, their own cultural and religious practices are being tested. See, for multiplied centuries, the, the Jews had held to a, a, a crucial observance of the law that was handed down to them in the desert by their prophet and mediator Moses. The law formed the basis of their, their covenant and their relationship with God who revealed himself in the mountains and, and who hid within the, the thick smoke and fire. But since Israel's Messiah had been revealed through Jesus, the ministry of God's kingdom brought significant change in how God's people were seeing and understanding God. Does that make sense? Yep. Do you ever feel like your understanding of God is, is, is being reshaped and changed. I was going to say renewed every day. <laughs> renewed every day. And, uh, you know, folks, that, that's, you know, that's, that actually is the normal thing for happening. You know, following Jesus is like that. He's, you know, following Jesus is, you know, if you read the narrative of the, the disciples and the gospels, their lives are always con continually being rocked and changed as they're welcomed to partner with Jesus in the work that he's doing. And, you know, we're no different. For the earlier Jewish believer in Jesus, they found the nation's savior, a king that would, as I said, would challenge and reshape their appreciation of 
of God's kingdom and the promised age to come that Messiah would usher in. They, before Christ, they had an image and a promise of the age to come, a way that they saw the kingdom rolling out. And in Jesus, they found a teacher that would totally upset their beliefs about who was in and who was out. In Jesus, they encountered God's presence in a rule that was absolutely powerful, uh, tender, and life-altering, as I say. They're, and, and, and as I was, I was saying, not that different than the God that they encountered in the, in the desert. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm going to say like, you know, the Israelites saw God um, roll out with tremendous power in terms of breaking the oppression of Pharaoh to, yeah. to release his people. They, they, you know, they saw something of God that was, was pretty awesome. And I would say fearful and terrifying. But it, Jesus is here representing God, you know, almost as we've said, I think even shared last week, like face to face, we're having this encounter and this invitation to see God as he truly is. And Jesus, um, I'm going to say that the Jews found a man that turned their lives upside down and rocked their understanding of the God that they thought they knew. He was just so much different. And... Uh, Hence, my question to you was, is, you know, does, ever, does Jesus ever encounter you like that? Does he sometimes upset your, your notions and your ideas of who he is? Uh, I know when, excuse me, um, if I feel like God has showed me something or felt like he they shared something with my heart, and I know more than likely I'll go back to that word a few years later and go, wow, yeah, that's what you meant by that. But, but yeah, just, and even how, yeah, I think my revelation of him as he goes deeper in me and tweaks up a whole lot of my insides, my spirit, my soul, my view of him switches, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. I've, I've often said that the Jesus that I'm encountering is always, he's, he's better than I thought. He's kinder than I thought. Yeah. Uh, but talking about your lives getting turned upside down, have you encountered Jesus like that yet in your lives? And, and I think that our answer is, is yeah, we've, we've, we've experienced a Jesus who turns things around on us. Um, you know, like who's in and who's out? Like Jesus is always surprising me at at. at with that one, are you are you experiencing what I can only discern as a as a as I thought about this as a holy unsettledness in your heart and thinking? Like, you know, I was you know we were having this discussion that on the surface it can present like a whole bunch of shaking going on in our personal lives and relationships, and I mean we're seeing this worldwide yeah, right are. now on, in a major way. But these are often more symptomatic of the deeper rubs and the, and the deeper issues that are going on in, the, in these hidden inside person of ourselves and in the world. Um, you know, they're like, you know, as I was explaining to you, it's like, you know, when two tectonic plates are rubbing against one another, we're feeling the earthquake on this level. It's shaking everything on the surface, but the real changes are going down deep, deep in the, in the surface. And, yeah. and we're experiencing that in the world today. We're experiencing that, I believe, in our personal lives today. I, 
Um, these are, you know, across the board, they're, it's trying times for a lot of people. In today's sessions, we're going to look at two contrasting examples of, of what we do with Jesus and what we do with his call that says, come and follow me. And we've entitled it uh, Children and Rulers. Uh, I kind of like that. You're going you're gonna to read today from yep. uh, Mark's, Mark's Gospel. We had... <laughs> We did. I think we did that much, right? We posted to Facebook and said, uh, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, open them up to chapter 10, and you're going to start reading from verse 13. So this is Mark 10, verse 13 to 31. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of reading. Does it say that? But. Okay, cool. Okay. Sorry. Cool. <laughs> One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Nice. Nice. And that's, <laughs> there are like so many things that I wanted to just like, you know, if you just took your, your felt pen and you, and you were to like highlight certain things that left out for you. And, I, and I'd encourage some of you people who, are, who like to highlight their Bibles. Uh, if you haven't done that, do it again or re-highlight things that have stuck out for me in the past. I'd love to hear what uh, from you guys, you know, what speaks to you, what line there speaks to you. Uh, you know, yeah, everything is possible with God, right? You well, I was praying about it earlier in my favorite place called the shower. And I, oh, was, okay. I was thinking of the scripture of the, of the part where, you know, at, what is the exact wording? About the camel going through the eye of a needle. And I was thinking, wow, I bet your first response is, I can't do this. Forget it. It's impossible. But as he says in the last line, everything is possible with God, through God. Sure, sure. 
And there, there are, you know, you could take that very verse and there's a couple of ways that you could extrapolate it out. And, and, but it, it kind of sounds much like it sounds there. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. Um, this idea that you can, you can take all these things with you into the kingdom of God. And why would you try? I think is, is what Jesus is saying here. Um, you know, the disciples listening in astonishment, they're like, they're actually seeing, uh, I think that they're seeing a bit of the, the folly that the rich man, the rich young ruler is grappling with in their own lives. I read, when I read that story, does it not convict your own spirit? It convicts mine when I'm reading yeah. that. But thank God, like Jesus doesn't leave us there, Right. He's humanly speaking, it's impossible. You know, in and of ourselves. And, and this is what I just, a couple of things that we want to pull out of today's story. In our synoptic gospels, you and I have talked about the synoptic gospels. They're Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three gospels, they all contain uh, this story and they 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 sort of they contain it in roughly this configuration as you read it here first we have the story of jesus calling on and receiving the children and then it's followed by jesus addressing the question of the rich young ruler what must i do to have eternal life i think is how matthew puts it but each of these writers presents us with their own sort of shading of things from the story, their, their own narrative, but they all contain both the beauty and the challenge of welcoming God into our lives and, and in entering into the work of his kingdom here on the earth. Matthew, as I said, puts it this way, and, and it's a little more stark. He says, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And in reference to his disciples who came to Jesus asking, who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? Jesus adds, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In Mark's gospel, the story presents things just a little differently. Um, parents were bringing their children to Jesus so that he could physically touch them and to bless them. But the disciples had pushed back on the parents from our story, right? You know, as if to say the master has got better and he's got more important matters to deal with. Don't be bothering him. Like this is, got, this is low on his list. And, and Jesus, who's, who's got a crowd gathering around him, he's, he's catching this out of his eye. He's caught what's happening in the background and his passions are ignited. I mean, the word says that he was angered. Angry, yeah. He was angry. <laughs> Jesus was angry. So I'd love to see his eyes. So, uh, angry. anger, you know, what have we said about you know, anger? It's an emotion, right? It's not wickedness, right? Yeah. It's what we do with the anger. Uh, he was ignited with passion. He yeah. was angry about the actions of his disciples. And, and he stopped everything. And then he charged them to let the children come to him. And in a divine turnaround moment, Jesus moved the children and the parents from the background and into the foreground of what was going on. And he turned the situation into this teachable moment to teach on the nature of God and his kingdom. Like, I, I, I don't know where he was going in his conversations with people at that point, but everything stopped. 
on a dime. And he says, do you want to know something about the nature of God's kingdom? Let me show you. His father's kingdom belongs to those who are like these children. This is, you know, this is for us. So take a look here. And unless we're able to receive his kingdom like a child, we can never into that rest that comes in knowing. We can, we can never really fully see it and we much less enjoy the benefits that come from it unless we receive his kingdom like a child. And with this, Jesus took each of the children in his arms, like I said, and he placed his hands on their head and he blessed them. So strong words. And it wasn't just strong words. He actually followed it up with action, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah. kingdom of God is meant to be, um, they're meant, they're, it's meant to, to, to have an action. Love, love acts. It reaches out. Love changes situation. It turns things around. He set everything in his side and he welcomed and he blessed those children. In Luke's gospel, the author emphasizes how the children were uh, like babes, actually. So that's, you know, this is where you get some of the, the differences between the gospels. He, he refers to them as babes and the, and the parents were bringing them to Jesus. Uh, these are like young infants. Yeah. Right? These young children were the ones uh, who most truly uh, show us what it means to accept and to enter God's kingdom. If you, you know, what, what kind of things do you think about when you think about a child being placed into the arms of Jesus and him inviting us to be like that child? Yeah, well, there's an important um, blessing, which is not the same as that, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But what do we see when we see a child? Do we, do we, do we, do we want to embrace um, this child who is really, I mean, we're lured to them. We, we think they're beautiful. We've, we've all been children at one point in time, but they're totally without means in and of themselves, right? Yeah. Um, they're entirely dependent on their parents and, they're, and they have to, they're, they're like a living demonstration of complete and utter trust in those who love and care for them. But they, oh my goodness, looking at our granddaughter now, but we've got five altogether. But sure. Little Rebecca, who's just five months now, but sure. since little, you know, after they can focus and get a little stronger, but they are, they've got a mind of their own. They're, they, they, they can be strong characters. They can be strong. But they still need us to help them <laughs> through that. But Brent says this is one of his favorite stories ever. Is that, is that the story of the children, Brent? Is that what your mind wraps around? That's that's cool. Um, but yeah, like, like, and remember, like, Jesus isn't just like pulling this out of thin air. He was. He was the oldest brother. He had, there were several children and siblings in his family, but he was the oldest brother and he knew how demanding the job was to watch over these little ones. Like it, it isn't always sweet, right? No, <laughs> no, not always. But Jesus helps us to catch a glimpse of the heart of what it means to receive God's kingdom. Like an infant taking milk from uh, its mother's side, of like being held and touched and rocked and comforted, 
learning to see and to read facial delight, right? I think that's the thing that you and I have talked about with, in particular with Rebecca, we've watched that. We've watched that with all our kids and we've yeah. watched it with our grandkids, but it's, it's ignited something in us again to watch young Rebecca going through this. But just look, watching the transitions in her life are so, it's just outstanding. It's a really brilliant season. But there she is, uh, you know, learning to see, like her eyes are actually still forming and developing, and she's, and she's learning from everything that she's observing. She's learning to read the facial delight by looking intently into her mother's face and eyes. And she has a way of looking at us. Wow. We look with delight in her eyes, and she looks with fear. <laughs> I want my mother. Well, sometimes she's been pretty <laughs> and then good. She warms up. To she's us. been warming up, but but <laughs> when she sees her mom, oh my goodness! Yeah, right. It is it is outstanding. It's like everything in her lights up. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch that interaction, and so this is what Jesus. This is, a, this is a brilliant piece of teaching, by the way. This is actually like high theology, right? This is high theology that we've just got to get. And then in sharp contrast, the narrative turns to the rich young ruler. Now, often when we, when we talk about these stories, we often separate them. We talk of them almost as though they're, you know, they're, they're two separate two things. Two separate stories, yeah. But these, 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 sort, these stories actually, they blend together. They're, they're contextually tied. And in sharp contrast, we have this narrative that turns to the rich young ruler who appears to have his, his game his life all together, and he's meeting Jesus on his way to, who is, is on his way to Jerusalem, and he asks him the question, what good thing must he do to have eternal life? <laughs> um, and he's obviously, like I'm thinking about him, he, is, he has obviously heard the stories of Jesus, the nature of the miracles that have been performed and the authority of things taught. Maybe he'd overheard the Pharisees who were already saying about Jesus, he's a teacher who has come from God because no one could perform the signs that he was doing if God were not with him. That was Nicodemus that had shared that with Jesus. Like, like he, he was the talk of the region. He was the talk of Jerusalem. He was the talk of the religious circles. Maybe he had... Maybe this young, rich young man had hoped to impress Jesus with his outstanding moral record, right? Uh, he's observed all the commandments that had to do with his relationship to parents and to neighbors, like Jesus has asked him a few questions. He's asked a question of him, and, and Jesus, you know, in answering, as he always does, he starts asking questions of him. But at looking and intently at him, and ah, uh, I love what Mark says. Mark says that Jesus, and, and I, don't, I don't think the other two gospels pick this up, but Mark says that Jesus felt, felt genuine love for the young ruler. You know, if we've ever said anything in terms of, 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 of ministry and offering encouragement to others, one of the caveats that we've always say is look for the love of God. Like, What's welling up in your heart? Is it is it a love response for the person that you're 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 ministering to or speaking to? And here we say Mark says that Jesus felt a genuine love for the young ruler. And he deserved and he, he Jesus discerned the one thing that he had not yet done. 
Now, you, you already get the sense when he started asking the questions that he knew where he was going with this, right? And that, it's very much like that. It's like panning for gold when you're praying. When you guys pray for people or pray into situations, do you ever, do you ever feel like you're panning for gold? You know, like you're looking for traces of where the gold is? I mean, when, when prospectors used to go look for you know, for gold veins and, and gold sources, they would pan the rivers because, because, yeah, because often the gold would, of course, come out of the mountains and down yeah. into the streams, and they'd be looking for traces of this to try and locate these, these veins of gold. Well, Jesus is like that when he's praying for people. He's, and it's, you know, it's an encouragement for us. I'm sure the disciples watched him doing it, and it's certainly something that we've practiced for years, is, is we, we're looking for gold. Like, where are we finding Jesus? And he has found something, he's zoned in. And then he comes up with, you know, the answer to his question, what should I do? to inherit eternal life, he says, well, you, you've done all these other things through your life, right? Since you was young, you've done all these things. I see that. How about selling all that you have and then come, follow me? Like, we gotta hear that. Come and follow me. I mean, there is, there, you want eternal life. There is what I'm offering you. Come and follow me. But before you come and follow me, you need to sell all that you have and and give to the poor so that you've got treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. I, you know, I've, I've tried to say to you, when we think about the inheritance of God and the kingdom of God, it's the person of God. It, it, it is Jesus and everything that comes from that. Uh, you know, when I've looked at this, I've thought about the rich young ruler and I, and I think Jesus mapped it out in his mind. He thought, well, he could come and follow me, but there would always be this draw, this there would always be yeah. him looking back over his shoulder at the, all of the possessions that he's left behind. Well, and what a freedom to let go of all that stuff. Because yeah. really, why do you need it when you're actually going on this other direction in the journey? Yeah, and you know, I, I would, you know, one of the questions that I would have for all of you listening today, and I, I would have for myself is, um, I mean, maybe it's riches, but maybe it is other things that we're holding on to, right? Um, what are what are some of those things that we're holding on to that that would restrict our ability to just freely come and follow him? Um, but you know, you get you get a picture here that Jesus is painting that just actually feels impossible because he goes on. And Jesus, the rich young ruler, was feeling a draw. I believe it was a genuine draw. I don't think he was just trying to stroke, stroke his own ego. Some some people would suggest that. Um, you know, even even the way maybe Matthew's gospel is geared, you you could read that into it. But I go back to what Mark says and observes is that Jesus felt a genuine love for this young ruler, like there was something going on. I I believe that that he saw the treasure in the in the rich young ruler that was there, and he genuinely wanted to invite him to become part of his circle, to come and follow him. Um. I believe he was feeling a, a, a draw to, to, the, to that love and to the kingdom of God. The only problem was that Jesus and the kingdom of God was coming in a way that he hadn't maybe expected. I mean, he was, in, he was, in, he was you know, I'm not going to use the word enchanted. He was caught up with it and with the stories that he was, that he was hearing and, and even the person God's kingdom and, and powerful love were reaching out in a way that welcomed everyone. 
foreigners, Gentiles, sinners, women and children alike. Like, like there was no distinction with, with Jesus and his kingdom. And that was different than what he expected. Uh, God didn't seem to be discriminating on who was being invited to come. So if you're looking for a place of importance, uh, you know, like Matthew's gospel starts in the, in the beginning, like who's going to be the greatest in heaven? If, if that's your distinction in coming to God, <laughs> he'll take you, but he's going he's gonna to school you along <laughs> the way. Like, you know, be prepared. We're all going to get schooled in some way. In the close of our story, Jesus did two things. He invited the rich young ruler. And, and I put it this way, he, he, he invited him to abandon his possessions so that his possessions uh, could no longer possess him, you know. Abandon your possessions because your possessions have turned around to possess you. Like, you know, part of the paradigm that I think that the rich young ruler faced is that he, that he struggled with, it had to do with his understanding of, of what the kingdom would look like. And you and I talked about this. What is this age to come? And, and, you know, there, there was a day coming when the, the Jews believed when everything was going to be set right and Israel's borders and self-determination would be reestablished like it was in the days before King David. I mean, and it's, it's a grander narrative than that, that, that shows God as the ruler and king and all of these kinds of things. But it, it and, and wealth and rule were actually seen as a part of God's blessing for his people, hmm. you know? Uh, wealth and influence, I mean, we're already presenting to the young man. Um, you know, that maybe he was, he was starting to gain a command and a respect amongst his only family members because they could see this in him and in his community where he belonged and likely a growing sense of his, his own identity and promise and for authority to rule were, were wrapped up in, in all of these things and even in his possessions. And Jesus is inviting him to abandon all that. Sell everything you possess. Give to the poor. The second thing that Jesus does is he says, and now come and follow me. And you know, the, the nature of being a disciple is, is essentially being a follower of Jesus. Jesus yeah. uh, so the rich young ruler wanted to possess the power of the age to come, but he wasn't willing to abandon everything that had a hold on him like you know as we're talking just now i think of yeah. how quick he was to walk away yeah and he, i mean he might have and they just not wrote it in the narrative but you know nowadays when we feel like god wants us to give up something we'll, we'll go well we'll pray about that we're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna fast or we're going to <laughs> We're going, we want concrete for sure. This is God speaking, but this guy, I mean, he must have known it was God because he didn't even question. He just walked away and said, oh, I'm not ready for that one. Well, it's, it's you know, like, uh, if, if I don't know how you guys like read books or novels or stories, but when I read them, I see them. I don't know. Do you find yourself seeing, if entering into the story? If it's written within my uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave reads some of these Okay, Deep not the, theological books or other books, and I go, not the wow. kind of books I read. <laughs> no, no. But think of a think of a fictional book, of tale, like a yes, you I know, do. yeah. We we imagine these things. Well, um, I, I imagine this. See Jesus with one request of the rich young ruler puts his finger on it, doesn't he? On the very thing that was 
really actually holding him back. I mean, he saw, I believe he saw such possibilities for the rich young ruler. I mean, we don't know. Uh, he, you know, we, we don't know the rest of his life. We don't know what he turned and did later in life after this, after having encountered Jesus. But instead of accepting God's kingdom like a child and, and even Jesus in the moment, right? Like there are these moments we have in life where we're being asked to make a decision. Instead of accepting God's kingdom like a child, instead of turning his face to the one who could save him, the rich young ruler hung his face down. He took his eyes. His whole face went downcast. I, I, I believe his, he, his whole face went down and he walked away and the word says, sad, sorrowful. And I think Jesus genuinely felt that sorrow as well. I think they I think all so, yeah. caught it. I, yeah. We catch it in the narrative. I, could you imagine what it would have been like in the person? Jesus asked the rich young ruler, and he is asking us, if you want the kingdom of heaven, then it's yours. It's yours for the walking out. And he's not asking you to sell your house and do that. He might be. Some of you guys, he might be asking you that. But really, he's asking for all of you. Yeah, he's, he's asking for all of us. Yeah. You know, um, there. You know, when we come to God, there are things we hold on to, you know. Um, um, the kingdom is ours. It's being offered to us. It's ours for the walking out. All you and I need to do is to humble ourselves like little children and to receive the one. That's to receive Jesus who holds the keys to heaven. And see, here's the beauty. To any one of you listening today and feeling Jesus' invitation drawing you and drawing you deeper into the waters of his kingdom and salvation. Now, I, I use this term and it's, it's kind of a funny term in picture, surrender, Don writes, yes, treasure, Brent writes, amen, surrender and treasure, they all come together. Um, but I had the most interesting prayer time with uh, you know one of our elders and, and good friends here in the Vineyard Church, Alan Clarkson, and during our prayer time, he was, <laughs> he was praying that we would just simply you know, walk into the, the water representative, I guess, of God and the kingdom and that we would just, he didn't use the word like going over our head. He used the word drown. I said, really, Alan, drown? Like, come on. <laughs> and he laughed. He said, yeah, drown. Like, just give it all up. Walk all the way in and trust Jesus with your life. Like, just give it to him. Just give up. Um, to anyone of you listening today and feeling that invitation, Jesus drawing you deeper into the waters, I, I'd like to think, yeah, maybe sweeping you off your feet. I'm the, I haven't quite, you know, I haven't right, quite grabbed a hold of this idea of drowning, but, but yeah, taking in, taking us in past where our toes can touch the ground anymore, right? Because <laughs> we we do that, we like to have some kind of control, but actually allowing the waters to just actually, pick us up and take us along. I think of our hot tub and uh, <laughs> our hot tub. Oh, good. And the grandkids, they we've not let them know that it existed, so they haven't yeah. been asking to go in. And then Aaron, our oldest, told their son, "Guess what? Grandma and Grandpa have a hot tub, so of course they're welcome to go in it." But I think of little Josiah, Justin and Jossie's 
uh, he's five now, yeah. and he had fear, like he's uh, in the water. Because? Because he couldn't touch, touch the ground. But as soon as he could touch the ground and know that he could actually float in the water and still have the safety of that grounding there, he was able to enjoy his surroundings. Well, able that's to interesting. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to... There's just peace. There's you know, peace all over him. Here's the point, folks. The thing that God's asking us to do, he's asking us to do it with him. Yeah. Like Jesus was at inviting the rich young ruler... He was asking for, you know, the riches of heaven for eternal life, and it's in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come and follow me. Yeah. Come and, like, come all the way in, right? Yeah. Come all the way in. Come and follow me. I want you to hear this from both of us sitting right here. Humanly speaking, what God is asking from us is impossible. Isn't that great? <laughs> It's, it's actually for all of us. Like, like there's, there's the even ground that is presented at the end of, of the word that we've read today. It's, for all of us, it's impossible. There's, what God invites all of us to is into impossibilities. I mean, what else would faith be? The yeah. substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, you know? <laughs> that, this is what God invites us into. This is like, this just full circle on as we talk about discipleship. Humanly speaking, in and of ourselves, it's impossible, but we're never supposed to do this by ourselves. It, that's the point. We've been doing it, yeah. life by ourselves, and it, and it hasn't worked out so good somehow. With God, he says, though, everything is possible. Jesus is inviting us to follow him, to be with him, to be right by his side, and to be like those children, utterly dependent in him and trust him for everything. Not just some things. Yeah, everything. Everything, yeah. you know, and, and live our lives out of that. Out of that, just, oh, Jesus, it's all on the line again. Double or nothing, here we go. <laughs> I, I think of, and for most of you know, we've kind of had a, a flooding mishap here. Oh, no, we're going to yes, talk about that? that was my fault. I left a tap on, and I got busy with life, but anyhow. But we've had so many comments, oh, Dave must have got really mad at you, or oh, boy, this and that, and, and you know, and how are you feeling? Are you really beating yourself up and not going... <laughs> no, I mean it was a horrific. But we've got insurance people. Yeah, here. we're thankfully we insurance. And Dave never got angry in front of me, anyhow. But <laughs> but, but yeah, there, there was movement going on in under. <laughs> there was a rubbing going on. But on the outside, just, but anyhow, but we just. I have to say, for me, I just kept my eyes on God, going. You know what? 60 whatever years if this is my first oops in insurance wise I've, I've had other ones but oh yeah we we have in life like yeah <laughs> but anyhow <laughs> but, like, just, yeah it goes without saying if you ever travel with us in a car put on your seatbelt. <laughs> we have a history in cars anyways yeah like you know and as i said to the, some of the guys that i was talking to online through the week uh hey listen guys first world problem we actually have insurance for this yep and, you know, it didn't pull our entire house Even off the footing. Even though it's and, only two years old. Yeah. Only <laughs> Those who have walked with us in this reno. So whatever, we're good. We're good. So, you know, like, what is, what's shaking going on in life? Are you experiencing some, any kind of shaking that's going on in your life? Um, you know, I, I would encourage you to, 
spend some time, get together with people and and just pray into these things. Because very often the shaking that is going on in, in our lives, and, and we often see them appearing in our relationships to one another. I mean, uh, part of the basis for our series is, taught, is, you know, and as we enter into a week where we're going to begin our, our eight-week course on the emotional healthy relationships is dealing. Day, yeah, is, you know, part of that exercise is, is one, just uh, committing ourselves to prayer with, with Jesus, you know, like developing a, a quiet time and a, and a routine of slowing our lives down. But then, but then just honestly looking at and assessing our relationships to one another and hopefully introducing some, some tools to, to help us consider our lives and, and on how we relate with one another. So we're, we're looking forward to that. But, but God uses situations. He uses people. He uses other things to really get at the at the bigger issues that are going on in our hearts, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, nobody gets away with this. Like we we all we all have to. We're all called and invited into this beautiful thing called family and relationships. And I believe that you know a significant. I believe that a significant mandate of the church and and prophetic message of the church is to be healthy with one another. Yeah. To really find love and acceptance and healing in in relationship to one another. Because we all need it. And we all need to extend it to others, right? And maybe that's why on the outside you didn't get really angry with me because we've got we worked on our relationship over these years. <laughs> well, we have. We've been together for a few years. We've been together longer than we've been apart. Yeah. By two times the margin, right? Um, yeah, so, you know, can we, I, we had some other story to share, but we're going to, we're going to leave it right there. I think it, uh, uh, no, David, we're not going to commentate on the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, who's playing? Yeah. The Chiefs and the Buccaneers, maybe. Have I got that right? Maybe. Uh, anyways, uh, who, yeah. Hey, if we get off here, then they can go watch it. Yeah, if we get off here, we can go watch it. Have you got anything as a community here as we finish off, you guys, that you want us to pray, pray about? That's David Brewis that said that? Yeah. Oh, David, love you, buddy. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> did, did some churches just cancel church and, and do the Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> some people probably worked it into their sermon. We didn't really do that. I was talking last night with a lady from the States, who is my mentor in Elijah Ho's training I'm getting. And she mentioned she was going to, she says, are you, do you watch football? Do you? And I went, I didn't grow up with sports at all. But I said, if we had TV, Dave probably would watch it. I said, Dave really tried to impress me when we were first dating. And I said, all I could get out of it was those guys look kind of cute in those tight pants. Oh, do you, I don't feel to, that today. It's on okay? air. It's on air now. <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't believe how much I played paid for those 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 center seats, like right the center center yard line. Most so I learned to stand up when everybody else stand up and cheered. So yeah, I could look good to you. Yeah, when the Lions scored, the entire audience got up except for my wife, who looked up at me and said, "Is is is that a good thing?" Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, it was a beautiful event. It's a it's been been a great memory. Tracy, what do you write there? I like God's grace that He has for us while we take our time to give Him everything, and that's absolutely right. You know what? It is a process, and yeah. and we're 
we're always learning to to give things over to him you know uh, and as I say, I don't want to. I don't want to write the rich young ruler off. Uh, we don't know the rest of the story of his life, uh, but he ha- was having a genuine drawing and encounter with Jesus, and uh, and yeah, he was being challenged to do something that was was over the top. Uh, and and I think that we're all going. Well, I'm glad the focus is on him and not me right now. <laughs> Because I don't know how I would answer that, right? You and I have got a story about that, but we are, we've run out of time. Yeah, we do. And uh, why don't you just genuinely pray over people and we'll sign off? Yeah, so, yeah, God, just, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you keep pushing in. And, and we just, yeah, you're just inviting us deeper. And I thank you for all the good stories I have been hearing of, or you just been, working on people's lives and and it's just it's it's sweet what you're doing and um so bless you guys bless you to encounter god through this week and always but through this week i pray for special encounters i pray for a depth of um with him that you've not encountered before this week sure pray to hear those testimonies yeah so bless you guys have a great week Enjoy the Super Bowl for those who <laughs> enjoy it. the Super Bowl, and we love you guys. We, yeah, love, we you. love you. We love you. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>